this thing off right here. You yeah, guys man, ready? I feel you. I'm about ready to do this too. Well, come on then, let's do this. Yo, yo, Luke, let's come on. What's up? Man? Let's do this. Oh, let's break it off then. Come on, do this right. The following now. podcast contains strong language, may not be suitable for all dragon children. Whoa. Yeah. See? Welcome back to the Better Left Podcast, everybody. My name is Sarah Smith, former congressional candidate from Washington's 9th District, and I am here with the regular crew. We have Troy. Hi. We have Bill. Hello. We have Corn. Hi. And we have Jay producing. And this is the first episode I remembered to introduce Jay producing the first time. So Yay. I'm calling this a season. We're seasoned podcasters we now. Good job, everybody. Good job. We've done it. We did it. We rolled out fees. the banner. Everybody gets a trophy. <laughs> <laughs> So let's get started with everybody's favorite segment. What the shit? What the what shit? What the shit? Yay! Woo! It's time. And for anyone that's new, this segment is where we talk about some crazy shit that's happening in the world. Um, it's just things that kind of made us go, "What the what the shit is going on in the world?" And so we are. Uh, we've got a couple. And both of them are mine. Yep. Yeah, me. Good job, me. Good job, you. That's the sound of me giving myself a high five. I'm not um, clapping, but in my heart, I am. Thank you. Heart claps, Um, which I think is a condition. So <laughs> let's start out with the first one. We need to talk about this. It's extremely serious. It's extremely important, especially yeah. to millennials and young folks everywhere. Like me. The Disney remake of Aladdin oh. was terrible. <laughs> it was terrible. It was shot like a soap opera for some reason. And oh, no. I and I don't uh, uh, Will Smith's genie like genie was written for Robin Williams and I like Robin Williams is the first celebrity death where I actually like was inconsolably crying. Yeah. For like days. Same. Yeah. It just punches you right in the heart. I can't I still can't watch it. Robin Williams movies, but you're getting choked up. Yeah, I, know. I, I feel yeah. Well, and the other thing as well is he made that character come alive. It was just a a, a crazy, wild, fun, silly, gender bending. The whole thing was phenomenal. Yeah, Will? and Will Smith's genie just didn't make me. It last lacked the whimsy. The whimsy. Yeah, I mean, I enjoy myself some Will Smith, some Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, perhaps, um, you know, maybe some iRobot. Yeah, iRobot. Uh, yes. Yeah. What was, um, what was oh, the 4th of July film? It was Independence Day or something? Wait, that yeah. was Tom Cruise, I thought. In no, the no, I think that was Will. <laughs> yeah, no, it was Will Smith. Uh, where the 4th they... of July? Was yeah, it? the 4th of July. It's called it. No, 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 <laughs> no, no. no. So, so born, born on the 4th of July was a film directed by Oliver Stone starring Tom Cruise about <gasps> Vietnam. Independence Independence Day is a, I don't know who directed it, but I'm pretty sure Will Smith starred in it. Yeah, oh, he did. It, it has actually the star of the film and my heart, uh, Goldblum. Yeah, Jeff Goldblum. Yes. Oh, American who I, I met one day, but that's a, another, <laughs> another, another story. Wow. Yeah. So it was, uh, it's getting panned as like a confusing foray into the land of nostalgia and it is slowly killing an animated film industry that we all once knew and loved. And I'm excited for the hot disaster that's going to be The Lion King. I said it. I'm so scared for The Lion King because that's literally like one of my favorite movies as a child. And if they fuck that up, I swear to God, like I am going to be really upset. Like I've just... never heard corn so. Yeah, I'm pissed. Oh, no. wait, no. Honestly, I got a little nervous because yeah. that was her like Troy's in Trouble voice. And I was like, mm -hmm. wait, what did I do? I didn't make this. Th did I do something with The Lion King? But no. Yeah, that's serious. Yeah, no. And I, I kind of I have a strong reaction because I was just like unquestioningly looking forward to the Lion King. And now I guess I yeah. have to be a little nervous about that. Did you guys see the Jungle Book? <laughs> oh, ah, uh, yes. Eh. 
Yeah. Uh, right? Yeah. I, 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 I love that when I was a child. Um, no, the new one. The really, yeah. Well, yeah, no, yeah. the original, uh, yeah. when it was released, um, it, it wasn't, it was black and white. And I'm <laughs> no, just kidding. Can, can we stop the reboots? Can we tell some new stories? Why aren't we telling new stories? <laughs> there are so many authors and aspiring artists and screenwriters who are out there who are pouring their hearts and souls into their scripts stop remaking 90s animated movies you cannot make an animated movie into a live action movie because animation gives us all the magic of, of pen strokes that we can't do in real life like I don't think Will Smith can actually turn into a camel so it's going to look weird no matter what we try to do and how much are these people getting paid too much millions of dollars to not have any creativity or like new ideas or anything Oh, yeah. I mean, it really the whole enterprise just underpins old Hollywood, the old Hollywood that's been paying to get their kids into Harvard. Exactly. Uh, it, one final thing on this. And also, they've been really pushing the boundaries of creativity and actors and getting them to do some stuff. Uh, maybe a, a riff like you wanted to see the MC, the, the uh, Marvel comic stuff come to life in the MCU. But we're done. Like <laughs> new things, new things or nothing. I want to be real clear, too. Um, we haven't seen this movie, but. Um. Oh, I was going to ask. You want to <laughs> describe what we did see? Oh, we saw enough. Um, yeah. We saw that we watched the trailers, all of the trailers and the teasers for the movies or for the movie. And we watched the um, the singing, the sing song and bit that came out where everyone was like, why is this happening? Did you also see Will Smith on the Ellen DeGeneres show? No, I missed. Oh, that. no. He was wearing like a, a genie pants and they're like yeah i haven't seen one of those in so long and making penis when you jokes saw it and... were you um worried for him is yeah he, is he like were you like someone needs to talk to will is he under some kind of well it felt like 2002 funny do you know what i mean yeah like, so he was in that movie that Shaq was in the wizard uh, Shazam Shazam and that's like that's what he was in his prime then and I'm just like no stop it please yeah I think nostalgia culture has good has mm -hmm. good parts and bad parts yeah. and we're just too deep into the we're in the bad place mm -hmm. <laughs> we're in the sunken place right now <laughs> agreed yeah <laughs> so the next part of our uh, what the shit that really got me there is great news that happened and I know that our what the shit's like usually bad but this is one that made me go oh my god of all the states this this is the one that's picking up the charge. Amazing. Uh, there was a judge in Mississippi who has blocked their six week abortion ban. Yay. And Thank you. my favorite was what he wrote. He wrote, here we go again, wrote U.S. District Judge Carlton Reeves. Carlton, who previously ruled against Mississippi's 15 week abortion law in November after concluding it was un constitutional. Reeves wrote that the United States Supreme Court had repeatedly held that women have the right to choose to have an abortion before the fetus is viable. A fetus wasn't viable at 15 weeks, he wrote, which meant it wasn't viable at six weeks either. Thank you, homeboy. Thank you. Thank you. It's a what the shit logic? Yes. What? Out of Mississippi, which I did not expect because <laughs> it's part of that belt of states that nor that's passing all these laws. I was like, that sounds like something coming out of like New York State and less like Mississippi. Uh, the ACLU and Planned Parenthood are gearing up to sue the state of Alabama as well over their same abortion ban. And I'm going to reiterate to everybody that's listening, donate to places like the Yellowhammer Fund. Go listen to episode four if you're looking for more spaces to get involved or donate because this is now we're in the push now we're here 
So um, there is a very special event coming up. And uh, as a part of our sort of contribution to the world, um, it is tied to raising some funds for Yellowhammer. Um, you are going to be, Sarah, 45 years old. Mm -hmm. Yes, I am uh, going to. I'm my my 52nd birthday is coming up. Yes, very, very shortly. Very proud of you. Um, you. You look fantastic. You are very moisturized, but you're also very committed to supporting Yellowhammer. And we'll have some information on our Facebook and Twitter. We'll, we'll talk about it a little bit later. But uh, yeah, yeah, it's a phenomenal group. It What they do is amazing. So um, as far as this case goes, will it be appealed then? So the they're filing the lawsuit to appeal to fight back against the law and it'll basically make the law unconstitutional and it will reverse it. And this is why judge races matter. Judge races matter. This is why oh, we talk about all the time how every office is important. And I know it's kind of like the, the trope, right? Every race to dog catcher is important. But for real, for real, for real, for real, for real, for real. But real. But really, it is important. Well, and I also would I'd love to hear any opinions on like, can we just go ahead and start an effort or is there I'm sure there, there might already be an effort underway uh, to, to just legislate abortion. Oh, yeah. there is. Yeah. And this is oh, this is the thing that I want. So I, we talked a little bit about um, I think before we've talked a little bit about local racism, why they matter. Mm -hmm. So what we really need to do, and this is going to sound weird, but bear with me. We need to flip governor seats blue and not just like any blue will do. We need to flip them B L U E deep progressive blue, because what we can do is we can have Congress. If we also have a well-stacked Congress, they can call for a convention of the states. What that means is Congress and the Senate or all of Congress, the house and the Senate can't participate in the convention of the states, but the governors do. It's when the governors collectively get together and they scramble their little brain meets around until they come up with amendments they want to make to the Constitution. And then they submit the amendments that they've made to Constitution. I believe they're ratified by committee. Um, but we can do this and we can pass as many as we want. There's no limit. And so if we have blue, deep blue progressive governorships, we can straight up amend the Constitution to fully legalize and constitutionalize abortion. Sarah Smith, that is incredibly interesting. I didn't know that. There's so much sort of arcane, you know, things. That is a really awesome protection against. So that's a that that is sounds like a very plausible path forward. An another path forward would be Congress just passing a statute. Right. That's yeah. the easier way, I guess. But um, if the reason I get excited about the, the convention of the states is because you can also have them overturn Citizens United. You can have them constitutionalize single payer. You can have them constitutionalize education for all. We can do this. Why? Um, maybe we can get into this in a whole discussion. Why aren't we? Um, because we have legislators with no backbone and we don't have enough governorships flip from red to progressive blue. And one thing that I want to make really, really clear, and I think it's actually really important to highlight here, is these states passing these pieces of legislation, they know they're going to get overturned. But let me tell you what's happening. If the Republicans really wanted to get rid of Roe v. Wade, they already would have. 
it already would have happened. They don't actually want to because they recognize that bodily autonomy component. And the reason these states are gearing up and doing this is because let me paint a timeline for you. And this is my tinfoil hat theory and what it looks like for me as someone who is formally on the inside of this. Um, so what it looks like is these states are passing these pieces of extreme abortion legislation and they know they're going to get overturned just in time for the 2020 elections to heat up so they can start lighting a fire under Trump's base and go, look, the Democrats Democrats still want to kill babies. And that's what they are going to lean into in all these local elections and all these congressional elections. How do you think they're going to fight back against the progressives that flipped those seats from red to blue? So the notion that you would play the populace in that way and create life and death circumstances is so callous. I, can't, oh, yeah. I, I am stunned that, that I shouldn't be surprised. But every day you learn something horrible. Well, and the thing is, you know, you can say a lot of things about Republicans and the terrible things they do, but they are fucking strategic. They really are. They're yeah. great organizers and they've been planning this for a very long time. And some and they have litmus tests <clears throat> like there's this Illinois Democrat, I think, Dan, Dan Lipinski, who is uh, supposedly a pro-life Democrat or like an anti-choice Democrat. And uh, why is there not a litmus test for that? I feel like women's rights shouldn't women's bodily autonomy being a litmus test is just such a it feels gross to say it. The like our ability to choose. But if you really want my tinfoil hat theory, look at the timing of this stuff. They know when this stuff is going to go get overturned. They know it's going to get overturned. You're trying to tell me these Mississippi judges are so dumb. They have no idea the Supreme Court is going to over overthrow them. The Alabama judges, the Missouris, the Ohio's, the Georgia's, all of those judges have no idea this is going to happen before it even gets passed into legislation. And um, I've got a question. This is stuff and I, maybe, uh, Bill, you, you can chime in as well. You know, Bill has been involved in uh, political campaigns across the nation as he and then we ended up sucking him into the vortex of our mm -hmm. uh charm and wit but that's how we get him that's how we, yeah that's how we get him um but didn't um this is stuff that they've been working on for some time these aren't just they didn't materialize out of thin air no. they have been fighting this for a long time and they've had this stuff ready to go yeah. for when we had the supremes stacked against the notion that right. you know um so is there some piece of this that is two birds with one stone Oh, yes. Two birds with one stone. Getting is... rid of Roe v. Wade and confusing everybody and then giving the the base something to. That's what they do. That's what I mean. You know, we talk about it a little bit. I'm really excited because whole Washington, uh, Georgia and Jen talked a little bit about this, where the best part about funding initiatives versus funding candidates is that the initiative doesn't waffle. It doesn't wave. It doesn't go back on itself. The initiative is what it is. It sounds bleak when we talk about all this stuff. But this one judge, I mean, I just I love that he formally wrote to here we go again. But like that was my <laughs> what the shit moment of like, we know what they're doing. This is they're trying to refire and reignite the base and yep. if the democrats go with joe biden yeah. it's mm -hmm. gonna work it will work and this is why we need real progressivism in office this is why we need a real democratic candidate but i mean you know it's good news it's a good what the shit so that's good um but it kind of brings us to our <gasps> big news breakdown it's news for you 
And for today's Big News Breakdown, we are having, uh, Corn's going to take the lead on this one because I did a lot of talking on the what the shit. And we're talking about Guy Palumbo, who's a local state senator, super crazy. She's going to go into more detail. And then Troy and I is, are going to talk more about the American Airlines stuff with everybody. And yeah, yeah. Know, stop listening to my dumb voice. <laughs> and now listen to my dumb voice. <laughs> um, so yeah, we're going to talk about in Washington's first legislative district, um, which is pretty close. It has King County and Snohomish. County, not Seattle, but pretty close to it. Um, Guy Palumbo is the senator for that district. And he, I'm sorry to interrupt, he sounds like a mustachioed um, detective. I was thinking the same thing, like a like a private dick. Yes, but yeah. I, a what? A, like a private dick. Ooh. Oh, oh whoa, like Dick Tracy. Yeah, mm. yeah. Dick Columbo Palumbo, the Tracy man. Yes. That's it. Yep. Uh, yeah, yeah. And I know that it's Columbo, but I don't care because now it's Guy Palumbo. Oh, forever. Guy Palumbo is our Columbo. Yeah, yeah. that's his campaign slogan. <laughs> well, he no longer needs a campaign slogan because he now has a new job. Um, so he oh. actually, before he got elected in 2016, um, he worked for Amazon as a senior manager. Um, he's been there for a couple years. Uh, so since 2016 was uh, he went in January 2017. So just over two years. Um, and he is going back to Amazon. So oh. he did he did two years as a state senator yeah. and is returning yeah. to his previous corporate employment. Employer, Amazon with a higher job title and yes the, he's the director of public policy for Amazon which is basically fancy word for lobbyist okay cool um I thought it was slob knobbyist but also I wanted to also start we might need to do that but um uh, <laughs> we need a we need an invest a private investigator to get on the case we need Columbo we need, we need Columbo, Columbo on this case so I, I just want to throw this out there Sarah I think you ran for Congress. I, I heard that anyway, and what? there was you a did? there was a sister candidate on our slate, Alexandria Ocasio Cortez, and the person she ran against is now a lobbyist too. It's almost like this is what they do. It is almost what? like this is what happens. Why didn't you? Why aren't you a lobbyist? Because I railed so hard against corporate money and the the effects that corporate cash has on our political system that I don't think any of them want to touch me. And I did not make friends in the corporate PAC environment. And you know that's a place where if I don't make any friends, I'm super okay with that. And uh, and so Guy Palumbo, he did not take that stance. Um, so during his Senate run, he took donations from Jeff Bezos himself. Um, also, Mackenzie Bezos. Boo. Um, Who is Mackenzie's the ex-wife? That's, that's the ex-wife. Yeah, yeah. But they both donated. Um, and so some of the things he did while wow. he was in office, um, he blocked the capital gains tax in Washington State um, earlier this year. Boo. Yeah, it's pretty bad. Yeah. And then also earlier this year, he put in two amendments. Um, we had a school funding bill here in Washington State, which basically would have made it easier for districts to um, raise taxes to get the things that they need. Um, so at 1.30 in the morning, he put in two amendments to slow things down. Um, one of them. M. Yeah, in the morning. Yes. Like late nighttime, like should be in bed. But he was being a naughty little Palumbo. Um, <laughs> and uh, so the two amendments he put in, one was limiting teachers collective bargaining power. What? Boo! Mm -hmm. And the other was to increase funding for charter schools. What? Why? Uh, so that directly impacts Amazon in a good way because they have talked about how they want to start their own schools. Amazon, <gasps> Amazon Prime now, K through 12. Yes. No. Wait, so you're saying that Amazon is getting into the school biz because they want to sell products 
and train their train their future workforce is really what they're probably doing. Are killing me with this. So I, I hate this because the only thing I can imagine is that Amazon's idea of a curriculum involves: Did you meet your quota? Were you able mm-hmm. to ship out enough products? Were you able to do these kind of things and prepare them? So I guess. Well, finally, we'll have proof that geometry does no good for children right? in their factory job. And then Robot Mom will take care of the rest. Oh, perfect. But it'll get delivered in two hours or less. (laughs) Their education. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, One of the other things. So he actually scrubbed his Twitter as soon as he. So he resigned. And then now his Twitter says, I'm the director of public policy. And all of his tweets are gone now as senator. Well, that's the way the Internet works is it never. Yeah, it's just gone. But it, you know, seems pretty shady. But um, I I was wasn't able to pull up the receipts but one of the things he always tweeted about that really irritated me which maybe somebody can pull this up for me is um he would always talk about how the solution to homelessness in seattle was these tiny houses that amazon sells and that we could just get them he literally would talk about this and how that was the solution is that well amazon has these super low cost tiny houses let's just buy them all from amazon this is okay. So I read a series of books by the great and incredible and amazing Margaret Atwood. You will know her for her famous series, A Handmaid's Tale. And the series, I one of my favorite series ever is called Oryx and Creek. And one of the sub themes of the of the entire um, book series is that it's all about like corporate corporate cities. So corporations own everything and run everything. They run all the schools, they run all the subways, there's branding everywhere. You are beholden to corporate fiefdoms. And this is I'm just like I'm so her it's like a handmaid's tale was like a foreshadowing and now I'm like please don't let orcs and creepy and foreshadowing. Yeah, and so one of the other things he did which yeah, it's just again like government and Amazon are just holding hands and love each other is um he was a huge proponent of uh Amazon headquartered two or whatever here and wrote all the letters and the op-eds and the blah 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 and so the the headquarters that the head tax Amazon promised Seattle City Council if you repeal the head tax will keep Amazon headquarters to here and they're like we trust your word and don't need a contract on this or anything in writing at all and then they got the head tax repealed and then Amazon's like just kidding and then pulled out of Amazon HQ uh, downtown in Seattle. And then they moved it to Queens, right? Or they tried to move they it to tried, the They tried, and then they, they, they said no. And yeah. now... It's in White Plains, New Jersey? I, I don't know. I don't even know anymore. This is utterly terrifying to me because there are lots of corporations now who are providing housing for their employees. They give them food stipends. They give them transportation stipends. And now the idea that Amazon, another tech industry, will be involved in education? Terrifying to me because... You know, one of my big fears as a recovering conservative is getting into this corporate serfdom state where we all just live and die by our employees. And one of the things I loved about Obama was just that, like when we got rid of the pre-existing conditions thing, we could actually have a little more mobility. And it's like, actually, we're just going to price you out of everything. And now you are just Jeff Bezos's slave, if that's cool yeah. with you. And if it's not, that's fine, too. Jeff Bezos. That's what we are. Yeah? Little worker bees. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, it's a bee pun. Oh, I gotcha. That's really good, <laughs> actually. Because I was like, no, don't you mean boozos? <laughs> but also, um, that man, those uh, the heads of these companies, they're getting their inspiration from low labor laws. And the way that people are treated in places like China, in places like, I mean, they have a campus where you live and you work. That's what you do. They don't provide other amenities like dog poop walking or whatever they do and all the other things to make you feel like, I love this place. I get a free bag of chips. Um, They don't get that, uh, but they do get 
like you're living in a compound and all you're doing is focusing on work. And that's it. That's all you're here for. Right. And when Guy got elected, you know, it was the same election cycle as Donald Trump. So we had to just be happy that a Democrat got elected. And so we really tried to hope that he was going to represent us. But it's pretty clear that he never really stopped working for Amazon. Um, And something that I found really interesting that I didn't know before I started doing a little digging, um, Washington state senators only make $48,000 a year. What? Isn't that nuts? And so like, basically, he went from having this, you know, a senior manager job with Amazon, pretty cush job, you know, I'm sure he got paid pretty well, um, and then went to this $48,000 a year job for about two and a half years. And now he's the director of public policy. So maybe you had a small cut in pay for a couple of years, but it had a real good payoff. And this seems to be happening on the national level, too. I mean, our executive in chief, uh, DJ Trumpo, right? DJ mm-hmm. Trumpo or Tolumbo? DJ Cheeto. Yeah. No, he's a great DJ, though. Yeah. yeah. Like, he yeah. just makes yeah. people scream. Really people are crying. Yeah. 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 So we're about to be seeing, hopefully we're about to be seeing his tax returns, getting ideas on his financials. That just passed mm-hmm. recently. And so there's a lot of this stuff happening on the national scale, too, we're seeing, right? Absolutely. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I, I'm, I'm going to do some research because I really want to find this uh, uh, Palumbo, uh, Amazon, small home kind of thing. Mm-hmm. It is I, 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 there he's, he's wrapped up in here and I've got stuck in this, uh, my Northwest page stuff. And I forgot that, I you know, that's basically a kind of a place where, you know, fascists go to, uh, be rude to uh, lefties. So we'll get on that. But can I say this? Wow. Corn, you have been all over this watching your Twitter and seeing what was going on, having it, uh, uh, piped into a uh, discord has been like watching a, I don't know, prize fight. It's just been boom, body blow, boom, body blow. Well, because people in the first district are pissed because it's like we kind of thought this might happen, but like, wow, it really did happen. And it happened in two years. And he's just bailing and going to Big Daddy Bezos. Like, it's just, it's really disappointing. Um, One thing he did do that, like, okay, I will give you props for this, Mr. Guy. So filing week in Washington state was just a week or so ago. And so if he would have done this um, before filing week, it would have gone into a special election. And so that would have meant that the seat was up and it could have gone to a Democrat or a Republican. Um, He waited to resign until just a couple days after filing week. And so because of that, now instead it will go to an appointment process. And this goes back to what we've been talking about in some previous episodes, which is why it's so important to run for precinct committee officer because now in the first district, the precinct committee officers in that area are going to be able to pick who becomes appointed to that position. And so there's a little bit more of a process to that, but they're the folks who recommend who's going to take that position. And that holds a huge amount of power. Are there any laws governing uh, against the notion of uh, Palumbo sharing that's going to happen and then working with um, establishment Democrats to identify PCOs and to lobby them before it's a public announcement? Is there any? So there's been a public announcement like he are you like from Palumbo? Well, I'm saying Palumbo, this is a plan. Yeah, He's been yes, doing this. So yeah. like was were there behind the scenes conversations where they said, no, you must wait. We're going to talk. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. And here's what I'm hearing. Like the. It could go a different way, but probably what's going to happen is the guy who holds the representative seat for that district will get appointed to the 
Senate seat, but then that means there will be a representative seat open for that someone. That makes sense leadership wise. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just interesting because I I, I think of Sheree right, right. and they no. were not expecting a charade. <laughs> so it really messed up their, you know, kind of. A, and that their, could easily that could easily happen in this race is that um, so the, the guy that is running as a representative who. But if he were to run for appointment, anyone else can run for appointment, too. Huh. You can you can go to your first district Democrats meeting and say, I want to run to be the senator. And you have to live in the area. Yeah, you have. I will We'd have to look into that. Yeah. I think you would. Yeah. Yeah. So this is, trust me, as someone who lives 2,600 feet from the district line right. in the 9th District of Washington, where I ran, uh, it, for a state legislative district in Washington State, you have to live in your LD. Mm-hmm. But when it's for the congressional district, so the CDs, you can you just have to live in Washington State. I, I have a little jingle that I'm working on to help this person. Corn kicking Palumbo and Palumbo kicks <laughs> corn. I love it. And yeah. um, just out of curiosity, Corn, what stops you from running for this position? Uh, I don't live in the first district. So oh, this is di- first district district is where I went to college. I went to UW Bothell. And so it has like Bothell, Snohomish, uh, Mill Creek, those sort of areas. Um, but I'm still super engaged with that group. They're part of Snohomish County, part of King County. Um, it's a really important district that represents our state. Well, I just am- Amazon primed a small house to go sit over there. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. So, so I'm good. You're good. Yes. yes. Yeah. Very we'll, cool. We'll prime now your education. Yeah. You. And so one of the few tweets that um, guy does still have up because it's from after his resignation is um, so Governor Jay Inslee, who's running for president, um, he tweeted basically saying, oh, thank you, guy. I love you. Kiss, kiss. Um, and said, thank you for being a leader on climate change. Um, so I- I'm going to be super honest. I'm not really familiar with how much guy has or hasn't done on climate change. Um, but I tweeted him asking basically, OK, you're the director of public policy now for Amazon. You're you're also a leader on, on climate change, allegedly. So what is Amazon going to be doing to address climate change, which um, there's a group of Amazon employees who at a recent shareholders meeting, they actually tried to talk to Jeff Bezos about this, that um, they, they have the request that please, Amazon, can you take climate change seriously and develop a plan to address it? Um, and he wouldn't come to the stage. He wouldn't listen to them. Hey, everybody, it's corn from the future popping in. Um, So since we recorded last time, I actually have some new developments for this story. Um, So a really rad gal named Hillary Morales, she is 29 years old, working class, super progressive. Um, She's actually going to be running for appointment for this seat. So even though Guy obviously sucks and he's going back to Big Daddy Bezos, um, this gives us an opportunity to elect someone who's going to fight for progressive values. Um, She believes in single payer. She believes in tuition free college. She believes in fixing the regressive tax code here in Washington state. And that matters. And so since we have this opportunity, it is critical that each and every one of us, if you live in King County, if you live in Snohomish County, you can call your county council person and let them know that you want Hillary Morales appointed for the first legislative district seat. Um, So you can call them, you can tweet them, you can write a letter whatever works for you. We're going to be posting information on our Facebook and Twitter on how you can do that. Um, But just know that this is really critical. Um, The vote is going to go down on June 27th. So as soon as you hear this, please reach out. 
Yeah, you know, it's really funny, too, because just yesterday, uh, one of our other shows hosts, Jason Grove. Just, inter- just to intervene, uh, yesterday's date for us right now yeah. in, in the future is <laughs> May 24th. Right, yeah. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. but yeah, it, you, we're, we're in it right now. Right. It's like we're really here. But yeah, it's hot on my mind. I don't know. <laughs> they just had a die in at B or as we call him Bezos's balls. Uh, the, the, <laughs> is there two or one? There's two. I don't care. No, there's two. There's two of them. They're no, no, I'm giant- talking about Bezos. Oh. oh, I don't know anymore. I hope there's, I mean, I know he's got two artificial ones he put in downtown Seattle and he filled with green space and called mm. it good. Yeah. He may have two artificial ones after his ex-wife got done with oh. him too. Oh, we're keeping that. Just half anyway. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, but they just had a die-in down there to help protest some of the environmental impact that Amazon has been having. Uh, and it's under Extinction Rebellion, which I believe is the... The Greta it girls, is. right? Uh, they, yes, uh, started in, uh, uh, give me a nod here, Sweden. Sweden. Germany. Bill- Billy. Oh, it's yeah, Greta Thunberg out of Sweden. Out of Sweden was, was Germany. Oh, we'll no, look into in that, Germany. but yeah, yeah. Um, you also hinted at a really awesome thing. We're working. We're, you know, this is a network. It's not just us. Um, and uh, we've got people who are in the trenches right now, recording and figuring this stuff out. But these people, um, Extinction Rebellion, they're working hard and they're organized and they're here. Oh, yes. And we um, so we have we've been talking a lot about the Amazon stuff because the Amazon stuff is important. We're seeing a lot of these a lot of these Amazon employees who are finally starting to kick back against their employee. I know that they fought and lobbied for I think they were talking about unionizing some of their warehouse workers. It's just you can only drag people through the mud and treat them like garbage and cattle for so long before they fight back. Yeah. And these these 7000 workers, uh, uh, these 7000 Amazon employees, uh, they kind of got met with the reaction. They kind of got shut down. I think. What talk a little bit about that because this is important. I, I mean, the the shareholder proposal that uh, Cassidy brought up is it just kind of asking the most powerful man in the world or the richest man in the world with one of the most powerful companies in the world um, that the world in which he's the most powerful person with the rich company is dying around him and because of environmental issues. And we need a plan for that. And the reaction that the, 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 the employees appeared to take the route of reason. When you're talking to power, often reason is insufficient. And recently, I think we, uh, we might have, a. A uh, person that we'd like the seven thousand Amazon employees to meet. Can yeah, you, can you introduce them? To well, me? absolutely. So you know, Bill and I are always on the lookout for you know for people who can provide a, like a master class on on key important issues. And uh, we we found we we're, we're you know out there scouting, um, and we found a, a guy. Um, you might not be familiar with him, but he is the international president of the uh, Transport uh, Workers Union of America. Uh, His name is John Samuelson. Um, He uh, was caught in the midst of a, like a sort of a TED talk um, uh, where he was sharing some thoughts and opinions. I kind of would like to just play a little bit of it because I think that it really encapsulates sort of the the vibe that I think we want to try to empower everyone with. But Better left to him. Let me play it. Made three hundred million, three hundred billion dollars. Three, three billion dollars. Okay, so three billion. You've done this with all of the concessions that you grinded out of us through bankruptcy and through that concessionary deal, and even with that, you're still making three hundred million billion dollars. 
So what is the desire on your part to increase that profitability? Right. You're, you, you're, you intend to execute work rules, scope changes that would allow you to increase dramatically off the $3 billion that you're making off the backs of your unionized workers. And that's never going to happen. Where, where I stand here to tell you in front of this whole room, in front of everybody, anybody who's listening, that you're not going to get what you want. And if this erupts into the bloodiest, ugliest battle that the United States labor movement ever saw, that's what's going to happen. You're already profitable enough. You compare your profit level to United, you compare it to Delta. Start thinking about your own workforce. Don't think about where you're at in terms of profitability and relative to other airlines in the industry. Three billion bucks and you're looking for more concessions and these concessions are offer our backs. That's simply not happening. And you said a very interesting point before about mediation negotiation, and perhaps we'll get to a point where there's self-help. And I'll, I'll leave you with this. I don't intend to keep the microphone. If we ever get to a point where there's self-help, we are going to engage in absolutely vicious strike action against American Airlines to the likes of which you've never seen, not organized by airline people, but organized by a guy that came out of the New York City subway system that's well inclined to strike power and who understands that the only way to challenge power is to aggressively take it to them. And I wanted to take this opportunity to tell you to your face that you're not getting what you want. You can have all the articulate Ivy League written business plans that you want, but they don't amount to a hill of beans. You're not getting what you want from us. And the quick you come to that realization and send your folks to the bargaining table to bargain in good faith that protects the scope language that we have, then you'll get a contract. But you're not going to get a contract. And all you're going to get is a bloodying of your brand if you continue going the way you're going. The concern that all of us here have and I, I speak for everybody in the room, I know this, that we want American Airlines, American Airlines, above all, to succeed now and into the future. We have 90 some odd years of history, and I want another 90 years of history. I want the, the men and women and people of, of American Airlines to be able to recommend this company to their children, to their relatives, to come here and work. I will tell you this, that anybody that seeks to destroy American Airlines, that is not going to be productive. It just won't. We have to be able to work together to see the views of both sides. And I believe me, I will send people back to the table. There is no problem with that. And I'll tell you what, the rhetoric that says, hey, we're going to go to battle, it's just, it's... It's not who we can't we, we we can't live this way. There's not one person in this room that doesn't want not one unionized person that doesn't want American Airlines to be profitability, to be right. profitable. Right. But you made three billion dollars last year. Yeah. Three billion dollars with with the current contracts in place, which means you continue forward with a high level of profitability. But that's just not good enough for you. You want to make more than $3 billion and you don't want to do it off of your sure. back. I don't see you sure. giving away salary any time soon, but you want to strip our ability to take care of our livelihoods sure. and take care of our children. Sure. So, I, and I'm trying, and uh, when I talk about yeah. attacking American Airlines, right. uh, obviously, that's talked about within the confines of a collective. So that piece where he's like, people like that look to destroy, you saw him ramping up. And then he was like, and I'm just going to say, it. is that's a, not a very nice thing to do. And let me let me just say something real quick for anyone that's flown um i have a couple of friends that that are not flyers and i myself travel a lot for work um i travel a lot because i'd like to travel and i 
will tell you something. American Airlines is one of the first airlines to rob you of legroom so they can squish huh. more bodies into their uh, metal tube filled with people meat flying 10,000 feet above the earth. Right. And if they're going to they're doing that to the public that they're serving to provide this phenomenal service, you can imagine what they're doing to employees who are just hanging out on the inside, just trying to make it work. And it is the worst. Like when I fly for work, I cannot stand American Airlines. And when I fly for work, I straight up, I'm not even paying for my ticket. And I'm like, nope, I will fly Spirit Airlines before I fly y'all. I'm not here for this service. I want to talk real quick. I just want to say John Samuelson, the uh, 140,000 members across airline, railroad, transit, universities, utilities. What you did when I watched that, I was gobsmacked because i was like wait no you can't you are you wait you're just gonna be a badass and you're gonna say no i'm sorry sir we've been here before i'm we're taking it to power and we'll bloody your brand we need to talk to this guy we should have him want to talk about the green new deal uh i'd be interested to hear his perspective on the possibility of drastically decreasing flights and what that might have as an impact on the labor market for these unions members that he represents and we should be so lucky what i'm going to do is reach out to him and i'm going to have all of us cc'd on it because at the very least i want him to know that the work that he's doing on behalf of the union workers and it it made me it shifted my entire perspective also, if you're one of the 7,000 Amazon workers that is asking for Jeff Bezos to please act on climate change, like we'd love to talk to you too. And this is how this all relates back together is workers are starting to fucking get pissed. Yep. We've been pissed for a while, but it's like we're done. Hey, Google, we're done with surveillancing, with working with China. Okay. Yep. Amazon, like... Eventually, no the FT Amazon and Facebook, eventually the FTC is going to have power mm-hmm. to slice your companies up. Mm-hmm. So, you know, relax on your power grabs. And I know that uh, Mr. Samuelson is out of the transit transit workers union. And he here is here is corporations worst nightmare. It's unions realizing that just because you're a union for a transit worker for the transit workers doesn't mean you cannot jump in and fight for your fellow union workers at the airline. We are realizing that all of our unions can team up and become a mega union, which is and, just called the workforce. Thing. Right. And he represents that piece of it. But he even said, I know somebody down at the uh, the transit uh authority you know and he'll come up here and he'll just do it because he wants to yeah and that's just like it's incredible yeah. the, the work that he is doing on behalf of american workers in general don't be fooled this man is working for you yep and this is i mean this is important this is why this news matters and i mean you know corn brought us in corn take us out yeah i think that just you know we expect you know, it's not that surprising that Jeff Bezos or the CEO of American Airlines doesn't give a fuck about us. But Democrats who are s- standing up for us in Washington state, they should be representing us, not Amazon. And right. it's very, very clear what Guy's agenda has been these past couple years. And uh, I hope that he can stand for workers and climate change with Amazon. But I highly doubt it. Exactly. And uh, that ends our big news breakdown. But it Thank leads you us. for corn. Yeah. Wow. Corn. Corn. Wow. He, uh, killing it. And also uh, I'm joining your campaign to beat up on Palumbo, Columbo, Palumbo. <laughs> yep. We're going to it's going to be our next Disney remake. But <laughs> 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 
But this brings us to our discussion topic for today. We had the opportunity to sit down with Whole Washington, who is the organization there, a grassroots, no corporate money organization fighting tooth and nail for the last few years to bring single payer to the state of Washington. Talk about organization, though. They are organized. Um, so, I mean, those two are killing it and you come and volunteer you have a job and you will do it until your fingers are lacking all moisture <laughs> and Tra troy knows this because he is volunteering with them so uh this time i think on this episode we are going to talk healthcare and local initiatives because on this episode of better left podcast we believe it's better left to georgia davenport and jen nye of whole washington all right. Fantastic. So we are here with Jen Nye and Georgia Davenport, who are two amazing women who are spearheading uh, whole Washington. And they worked on the I-1600 initiative, I think, the last election cycle. And we are lucky because on our team here at the podcast, we have Corn, who has been working with whole Washington since like forever. Yes, forever. Basically yeah. forever. Um, and she is very excited about this interview. So I am going to let Corn take the lead on this discussion. But we're going to talk a little bit about uh, whole Washington, what they do, why state initiatives matter. And we're going to talk about how that leads into Medicare for all on a national scale and how working together as states is going to help us get Medicare for all passed nationwide. And we're going to talk about some other stuff that's going on here in Washington around healthcare. So corn, take the lead. Yay. Yay. So welcome, Georgia and Jen. Thank you for coming. Thank, Thank you. you. Yes. Yeah, so why don't we just start with talking about who you guys are, what your roles are in whole Washington and kind of just what whole Washington is. I'll go ahead. I'll go first. Um, so I am the campaign director. I um, started with Whole Washington in 2017 after working for 735. Initiative 735 was the initiative to overturn Citizens United here in Washington State. Uh, after we, well, we kind of knew that we were going to win the last two weeks of the election. <laughs> so we started talking about what we wanted to do next. And healthcare was the number one most important issue for most of the campaign staff because none of us had healthcare through the campaign because it's simply too expensive for yeah. grassroots campaigns to mm -hmm. provide healthcare to their staff. So um, being that we knew a lot about initiatives at that point, we thought, why not start an initiative to bring single payer to Washington state? And so that's how, that's how we got started. Yeah. And for anyone who is listening outside of Washington state, can you kind of just explain what an initiative is? Sure. So we're really, really lucky here in Washington state. We have a way to circumvent um, elected officials who refuse to take action on a certain issue because maybe they're contributions um, to their campaign come from pharmaceutical companies or private insurance companies or any number of corporations. And because of those donations, they seem to be unwilling to make movement on um, things like single payer, which we've had uh, legislation in Washington state to bring a single payer system for about 20 years now. And they have refused to pass that out of committee for 20 years. They've had wow. two hearings on it, but refused to pass it out of committee. Yeah, it's a really nice way of saying corporate money seems to influence our elected officials. Weird. And we believe that we need to have a system to circumvent that. 
Okay, so yeah, I want to get into that more a little bit later. But Jen, I'd love to hear what your role is in Whole Washington, too. Yeah, thanks. So I am the communications director, which is really just a fancy way of saying I'll do anything for this campaign. <laughs> um, I got started as an individual. Um, I think it was probably just a series of ridiculous GoFundMe campaigns um, that I just kept seeing over and over. And I went to a single payer conference in Vegas, and that's where I met Georgia and I discovered Whole Washington. And um, it felt like real action, real possible action. Um, I had already um, become tired of making the phone calls and sending the emails. Um, it felt really futile, um, but an initiative process felt real. Right. And so this happened, you know, after the 2016 elections, after Bernie ran um, and it really felt like it really was the time to to act on it because people were fired up about single payer and Medicare for all. Um, so why don't we kind of get into just what whole Washington started as um, and kind of just why you guys decided that now was the time? So when we first started, it was due to the fact that we had worked on initiative campaigns um, in the past. And like I was saying before, that um, it, it, there seemed to be no movement in the legislature, although we yeah. supported the effort in the state legislature to get hearings and to get the um, WISP bill, the Washington Health Security Trust bill, which is a single payer bill, our actual our ballot initiative language is based on the Washington Health Security Trust. Right. So we we supported that bill getting hearing and getting passed out of committee and hopefully the governor signing it, but it died in committee. So as a result, we've said, you know, that the people are going to have to do this. Yeah, we're going to have to do this. So when you when you say it died in committee, could you just explain a little bit more about what that means? Because we hear it on a on a congressional level too, right? Like we hear, oh, the bill died in committee, or the one Republican who held up the the disaster relief funding. So when something dies in committee, even at a state level, what does that mean? It means that um, and a bill can have a hearing and still die in committee. So they'll listen to people testify in support of a bill, but then the chair and the members of that committee in Washington state and other states and nationally, that'll be the health care committee, um, will refuse to let it go to the floor for a floor vote of all the legislature. So they, these are people who supposedly have specialities in health care. Um, specifically in the House committee, we have... Um, Eileen Cody, who is a nurse, um, and she, every single time we talk to her about it, she says that she supports single payer, but then she never lets the bill out of committee. And she's the chair. She could push it forward. But she does also get lots of money, campaign contributions from pharmaceutical companies and health insurance companies. Surprising. Yeah. yeah, this is this is happening on a national scale, too. Like yeah. this whole this whole death of bills in committee happens on a national scale. So when we read these headlines and say, oh, it just died in committee or if you if a bill never you see hearings and it never goes anywhere and you never hear about it again. That's because the chair has made the choice to not let it go to the floor for a vote. And they can say and do whatever they want. But big money interests on all levels of government and it 
it matters at state government too because it happens there too um it it can really hold up bills and kill them before we even have a chance to talk about them yeah and i actually want to correct something i just said i said that it would be the health care committee um nationally but that's not actually not accurate it's ways and means mm-hmm. um that is really going to have the biggest impact on the national medicare for all bill and we do have a representative here mm-hmm. in washington state suzanne del benny who's on ways and means and she has refused to co-sponsor the bill so if you are in her cd her congressional district cd1 um please call her and get her to co-sponsor that bill and commit to passing it out of her committee. Yes. And so that's the thing is that um, us in Washington state, we just, we got tired of watching our elected officials not act on single payer. Um, And I think between that and just the real resurgence of energy towards that movement from the Bernie campaign and from, you know, Trump being elected and all of us just going like, what the fuck is this really happening? Like, we need to take care of our own state and make sure that we're the ones leading in the country because it's obviously not happening at the national level. It's not happening in our own state. So let's take it into our own hands. And one thing we heard, um, I believe it's Cantwell that uses this excuse a lot. I think she's really happy to say that states have to go first. And we're happy to do that. Like, let's do that. Let's be the leader. I feel like Washington state is, is the, is the leader in this capacity and, and with the initiative process, we can do this. Yeah. So let's kind of talk about what I-1600 was. Um, I know that when we first started, um, we started with a funding study because we really wanted to make sure that we got it right. So could we talk about that a little bit? Sure. So, um, I believe we were, it was Vicki Rhodes, who's on the board of Whole Washington, and I went to an event where we saw the movie Fix It. Um, and Dr. Gerald Friedman, an economist from Amherst, gave this great testimony in that movie about how much money you could save through going to a universal healthcare single payer system. And I turned to Vicki and I said, you know what? we should talk to him about doing a study for Washington state. And she said, Oh, I'll, I'll try to call him. And we called him and he was game to do it. So, um, we paid him $15,000 and he did a comprehensive study about Washington state, how much we currently pay, which I think it was $80 billion a year and how much we could save with a universal healthcare system, which turned out to be $9 billion annually. And he also looked at our very unique tax structure here in Washington state. As most listeners may know, we don't have an income tax Um, And we have the most regressive taxation structure of any state. So we kind of thought, well, this could be like a multi-purpose initiative. Not only can we get health care for everyone, but we can also de-regressivize Washington state um, as far as, you know, maybe helping lower income people, alleviating some of that burden that we have as you know, working class folks here in Washington state. Right. And so a lot of people, I think one of the the biggest talking points against single payer is, oh, your taxes are going to go up. It's going to be so expensive. Um, but this study really showed that, no, you would actually be saving money for the most part. Correct. Well, part of the problem is um, when people hear, oh, my taxes are going up, Mm -hmm. they don't connect in their heads that they're also not going to be paying health care premiums. So your taxes go up and you pay like what? I don't know, $50 a month more in taxes, but you're not shelling out $200 in private insurance premiums. And you know you have health care and you can go anywhere and you don't have to worry about anything if you go to the hospital. Right. And and that's how we have to... um 
like advertise this. We have to, instead of a giant tax increase, this would be the greatest cost relief that the state would ever witness. And the freedom that people would have to start their own businesses, to like actually go on vacation, to like invest in themselves again. It's cost relief. It's not, it's not just a tax increase. Yeah, I like to use the metaphor of a car. So like, let's say you have an old junker and somebody is saying, oh, my goodness, they're going to take your car. Yeah, but we're going to replace it with a much nicer, much newer, much more efficient car. So that's that's one point I would like to make. And I'd also like to point out that on our website, you can actually go and see how much you will save. Um, We have a savings estimator that Jen has been working really hard with some people at Progressive Coders um, to, to get up and running. And it was great during the Initiative 1600 campaign because somebody would be, that's the main question we always got. Well, how much is it going to cost? You can just go on your phone and you can see how much you're going to save. That's rad. And so it really sounds like it's a win-win. It makes sense because not only are you saving money, you're not having to pay co-pays and deductibles, correct? Mm-hmm. Um, and then also you get better care. Um, so can you go over like the things that it covers? Yeah. So we're talking vision. We're talking dental. We're talking behavioral health. Like none of these things are separate. This is all included. It's it's really revolutionary. Yeah. And so that's why I got involved is because to me, it's just it's so common sense. I don't understand why we haven't done this. I mean, I do understand it's because of the the cash, the corporate money. Um, But it just it makes me so angry that we haven't acted. And the fact that in Washington state, we have the power as people to get this enacted. Why not? So with the so the model we have for this initiative that we're working on with whole Washington, um, is this reflected is or is, is it reflective of the Medicare for all bill that's in Congress right now? How do the two bills relate to each other if they do at all? Yeah, so we wanted to make sure that we were covering exactly the same thing that um, is covered by the Medicare for all bills. So uh, the the list of comprehensive things that Medicare for all um covers is the same as our bill. And we also wanted to not have people have to pay at times of service. So no co-pays, no surprise deductibles or out of network costs. So that in that way that they're exactly the same. Awesome. And we we have to bring up prescription drugs. With this bill, the most you would pay is $250 per adult per year. That's the absolute most. And that's only if there's not a generic version. If there's a generic version of your prescription, you wouldn't pay anything. So uh, the 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 sense of relief that comes with that, um, you, you just it, it's incomprehensible. Awesome! It's two fifty per year per for year. prescriptions that are non generic. So. Yeah, and it also allows the state trust, the nonprofit state trust that this creates to negotiate pharmaceutical prices. So that is one of the huge cost savings that you see that Dr. Gerald Friedman saw when he came up with those numbers that we were talking about earlier. Right. So, I mean... Again, like I said, it just it makes sense. But, um, you know, unfortunately, even though it did make sense, um, our first round in the initiative process, we did not make it through. But I still want to talk about what we did and what our achievements were through that process. Um, so, you know, like how many signatures did we gather? How many volunteers did we have? Um, I know that we did a lot of work and it was all with no paid staff. Yeah. So we got one hundred and three thousand 
signatures, which, like you said, 100% volunteer effort. Every single campaign pretty much historically in Washington state uses paid signature gathers. Um, and, and how much, Georgia? How, how much, much per signature? Yeah, how much? So last year there was one initiative campaign that was paying seven dollars per signature what was that initiative um it was the gun initiative oh they were the ones like Um, don't raise the the number 20 it was like don't raise the age to 21 or something like they they wanted to fight it right no no they did they wanted to raise the age it was oh um, no but they got a really big donation didn't they get a donation from paul allen yeah it was paul allen and um nick hanauer and some of the other people who usually fund very progressive um, initiatives, which is good. I I've definitely yeah, supported yeah. that initiative. I'm not saying anything negative no. about paying that amount because I it got made it to the ballot and it passed. So that's good. Thank but that's God. the problem is that um, these other grassroots initiatives that maybe don't have that funding in those big dollar donors, it's really hard for us to do this because to be able to get, it's about 300,000 signatures, correct? Um, that's really hard to do with just volunteer power. Um, you know, folks can't spend eight hours a day volunteering. Maybe they can spend their Saturday or two hours after work. Um, and with that, yeah, we got over 100,000 signatures, which is so, so awesome. But without those donations and without the help from those big donors, it, it's really hard. Yeah. So I wanted to um, talk a little bit about that. Uh, 940 and 735, those were both grassroots initiatives that didn't make their required amount of signatures the first go round. Mm-hmm. But they used that as a way to develop their campaign for the next time. And they got on the ballot, both 940 and 735, and they passed. Okay. So yeah. I feel really confident about yes. our, our um, ability to, to make it this next time and to pass. Yeah, and I feel like the atmosphere has changed um, in our favor, even just within a year or two. I feel like um, people know what single payer is now. And to me, I I mean, I'm just going to throw it out there that I feel like we can get the signatures. I really do. I feel like you could hold up a sign that says universal health care and people will come running to you. So um, the I think the scary part would be that that time after we get on the ballot, to the actual election, the actual vote, because that's when the money will, uh, the dark money will start playing a huge factor. Yeah, for sure. But depending on the type of initiative we do, the legislature could just choose to pass it. So can you kind of break down those two different options? Because, yeah, that's something that was new to me. And it's really interesting. Yeah. So um, there's two different types of initiatives here in Washington state. They both require the same amount of signatures, which is 8% of um, however many people voted in the last gubernatorial election. Mm -hmm. The initiative to the people you file in January and then you have until July to collect signatures and then it would be on the November ballot the same year. And that's what we did last time, correct? That's what we did yeah. last time. And that's why we only had about four or five months to collect signatures mm-hmm. after all was said and done. Um, initiative to the legislature, however, you file in March and then you have till the end of the year to collect signatures, December Well, you actually, it's more like January 4th or 5th. And then the legislature has three options. They can either pass it as is, put it on the ballot, or put a competing measure and the ballot measure on the ballot at the same time. And that would be November's election after this that legislative session. 2021. If If we did an initiative to the legislature and started collecting signatures in 2020, then the ballot 
it would be on the ballot for 20, November 2021. And this is all stuff that is, is we talk about it in terms of Washington State because that's where we're based out of for this podcast. But um, this is all stuff that other states have the opportunity to do. So I don't think all of them have the opportunity to do initiatives, but they do all have the opportunity to lean into their legislators and fight for single payer at a state level. So if you're listening and you're wondering if your state has the opportunity to do initiatives and circumvent those legislators that won't move for however much money the pharmaceutical industry's paid them, um, check it out. See if you can do it. Go to your go, government website should be able to tell you if you can pass initiatives. If you have local politically, politically active friends, they'll probably know. Um, but look into the process and see what it takes. Because I mean, this I-1600 in whole Washington started with just some folks who were really sick and tired of our healthcare system. And I know you guys are, are parents who are doing a lot of other stuff. Um, a lot of you guys have jobs that you're also working. This is all a labor of love to make sure every person, regardless if you're Jeff Bezos or the guy on the street who needs an extra hand, uh, can go into a doctor and be seen and be taken care of. Yeah. And, you know, obviously whole Washington's main focus is Washington state, but they've been doing work for the fe- at the federal level too. I know that you guys just went to DC. Um, so do you want to tell us a little bit about that trip? Yeah, it was amazing. It really was. I mean, um, this was the first hearing for a Medicare for all bill. Yeah. um, And and it was it it was held in a very tiny room. So we weren't actually in there able to witness the testimony. But there was an overflow room full of supporters. And we got to meet a lot of connections and some other um, United States uh, elected officials. And um, so that in itself was very inspiring. And then the very next day, we did a lot of just door knocking on all of our representatives doors and leaving materials there, trying to meet face to face. Um, we did actually get to talk to Dr. Kim Schreier. Ooh, um, whoa, that's new. I mean, it was great that she met us last and, minute, but I don't feel like we moved the needle. Well, and let's break that down for anyone who's not familiar. Kim Schreier ran in Washington's 8th district, um, and she ran on a platform of being very in favor of Medicare for all. She's a pediatrician. pediatrician. Right. And so now that she has been elected... She's vanished. I live right on the border of the 8th and the 9th congressional districts in Washington, and she is a ghost. She is nowhere. I can't find her. And um, just throwing out there, I really am not intimidated by the fact that someone's a sitting congressperson to run against them. Just throwing out there. Yeah. (laughs) And one of the things that's really infuriating about it, too, is that this was, isn't it like one of the most expensive races in the country that was spent for the Washington Democrats? Um, And She's standing for what now? I That's don't a great. Know. I actually have not seen any headlines or information no. with her anywhere. I think she was in one thing about oh god, what was about it? a thing? Climate or corruption? I don't remember. About a thing. Yeah. About a thing. A um, thing. She says she's going to introduce her own bill because that's what we need is just you know another bill. Yeah. More bills will help solve this problem. No, and her bill will be way will better. Oh, okay, I'm sure it will. It'll be tons of universal access to health care. <laughs> yeah, she's calling her bill Medicaid for all. <laughs> and it's actually a public option um, bill. So not the universal health care bill, which we really, really need. And public option bills don't actually do a lot to reduce the administrative costs of health care, which is why... We are very strong. Whole Washington is very strongly behind Pramila Jayapal's bill because that is 
creates huge cost savings and it is actually truly universal. And so that's the thing, whether it be folks who are running for president, folks who are representatives or senators, um, a lot of them who even just say, oh, yeah, I co-sponsor Medicare for all or I support Medicare for all. When you actually press them on their support, they say, well, there's lots of ways we can get to full coverage or, you know, we could have a public option or this or that. That's not good enough. Uh, Yeah, that's really one of the things that's very frustrating for me when I'm talking to elected officials is they will say things like that that, or candidates. Oh, yeah, I support Medicare for all. And then you say, well, will you co-sponsor 1384 then? Oh, well, no, that I I have my own bill. And so you have to be really careful when you're talking to different candidates and elected officials. Um, Because when I say Medicare for all and when I say universal health care and single payer, it could be wildly different from what they are defining as Medicare for all. Um, So first off, I have my own bill, too. His name is Bill (laughs) Ramsey. Um, So whatever. Um, But also, um, so going back to in Washington state and also someone who is running for president, um, Jay Inslee, uh, he's the governor here in Washington state. And he actually um, just put forward and I believe it passed was a public option bill for Washington state. Um, And a lot of people were, you know, pretty impressed with his movement on this. But again, it's not enough. Um, Did you do air quotes when you said public option? Right, exactly. And that's the thing. It's barely. Is it even a public option? It's yeah, not, I'd love to hear what you guys it's think. Not. It contracts with private insurers. Boo. So there's no public funded option that would compete with private insurance with this bill. Yeah, so it's more of our tax dollars going to for profit insurance companies and um I I wonder if he's even read the definition of public option because the definition of public option is a nonprofit state run insurance plan that competes with private insurers that anyone can opt into. And I have a lot of questions about um, the bill as it was passed, actually, because if you read Section 6, I believe it is, it says that the only people who can participate in the program are any is are people who make 500% or less of the federal poverty level and who currently get their insurance through the exchange. So it is not even public. Now that, that provision, um, it says that it's no longer a provision in 2021 in in that, that section. So I'm not sure after 2021, who even qualifies to be part of the plan. Are you saying this might just be an incremental change that's a great headline for Jay Inslee running for president? That is exactly what I'm saying. Yeah, (laughs) weird. Very weird. the box. (laughs) And so that's the thing is that not only does it look good on his resume, but it also makes, you know, folks who maybe aren't as engaged or, you know, they know that there needs to be change in healthcare, but they might not understand the different definitions and things like that. They think, oh, we're actually having change in Washington state. So we don't need to call our legislatures for single payer. We don't need to do that sort of support or canvas or gather signatures because Jay's already doing it. And this is the kind of tricksy thing that legislators like to do. It's a, a fun game that they like to, to play where they're like, oh, that other option is too extreme to pass ever. So I'm giving you this much more reasonable option. And it feels reasonable when they explain it to you because that's their job. Their job is to make everything seem reasonable. And a lot of them are very good at it. They've been doing it for years. But what happens is they slip in a lot of these provisions and these extra statements. And then people don't realize that after 2021, we're, we have no clue. Honestly, they 
they probably don't even know. But this is really common at all at all levels of government. So I really urge people to at least make sure that if someone else is giving you a backup bill or an alternate bill or their own bill, make sure you sit down and take the time to go through it. And it's dry or like have a friend who's like a super nerd and like loves reading legislation, make them do it and give you the boiled down version. That's whatever you, you can do to get it done. Yeah. <laughs> While pointing at Georgia right now, yeah, quietly. Super on the nerd. <laughs> no, and it's hard though, because you know, when we're working and we have all these things like, oh, do I really want to read a bill? Like, uh, it sucks. But these politicians are using them as resume pieces. They aren't actual, you know, progressive life-changing pieces that are really going to make the difference that we're looking for. Um, and one of the things that when I was watching the press conference for um, the the public option, air quote, um, I, re- I don't know who the gal was, but she was basically saying, well, yeah, you know, this, it's not really that controversial of a thing because this is basically what we were doing in the 90s um, before the recession hit. Um, so I guess that's what our baseline is now is progress or pro- being pro- progressive is, oh, let's do what we did in the 90s. Great job, guys. Yeah. Was that Eileen Cody by chance? It probably I was. Yeah. It was. <laughs> so she's the um, representative from the 34th legislature. Where I live. District. <laughs> um, West Seattle and Vashon. Right. And um yeah, I, I've spoken with her many times about it, and she's she was one of the authors of that mm-hmm. yeah. faux public option bill. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this is the kind of thing that that we see a lot, too. I mean, you know, Corn just articulated it perfectly. She's like, a lot of us are working and don't have time, and it's exhausting. And what a lot of these politicians are doing is they're, they're I call it weaponizing the apathy. Mm-hmm. They're weaponizing our tiredness. They're weaponizing our exhaustion. They're weaponizing our compassion exhaustion. They're weaponizing our outrage exhaustion in order to get these lesser bills passed in order to take advantage of the of our current state of affairs, which is tired. <laughs> but it's it's a lot. It's a lot of energy. It's a lot to take on. But it's this is that tired feeling is the thing that they're weaponizing against us. And this is just a reminder that in Washington state, we, the Democrats have the house, the Senate, the governor's Democrat. There is absolutely zero reason why we need to compromise and why we wouldn't pass single payer. There's, there's one reason it's, it's money from the insurance companies, but that's it. Well, it seems like these establishment Democrats are just as difficult to move um, as Republicans. They, they are just as steadfast in their positions. And so we have to do this. We have to do this initiative. So what are you guys doing now with your time? Let's talk about what you guys are doing. And then I want you guys to tell everyone where you can uh, where they can find you and help out with the stuff that you're working on now. So right now we are ramping up. We're doing a little bit of reorganization and ramping up so that we can launch our campaign in 2021 or 2020. Woo! Woo! And um, so what that looks like is we want to get polling done on the ballot title and ballot summary that we we actually did file an initiative this year. And the reason why we did that is so we can get polling done on what the attorney general gives us. That way we will know if we can win or if we need to adjust the language a little bit so that we can win. And yesterday, actually, my vice chair uh, the vice chair for whole Washington. And um, I went to Olympia to a hearing to challenge the ballot title and summary that we got from the attorney general just to tweak it to make it better. And um, now now that we've got, I think, a pretty good summary and description, we're going to do polling on that. And so that's the thing. Like, this is why I absolutely love you two and love whole Washington is 
this isn't bullshit. This isn't just like, oh, we're throwing an initiative together, like very thorough, very detail oriented. We want to make sure that we're doing it right. Um, so what can folks do if they want to get involved? Well, I, I hate to say it, but it's so true. We just need money. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, initiatives are really expensive. This is what we learned from our first time around. And I know there are a lot of candidates. There's a lot of great causes that are jockeying for your money. But I feel like this is a really worthwhile and finite investment that will change all of our lives radically. Yeah, no offense to present company. I'm not talking about <laughs> right, you when I say right. this. But, you know, when you donate to a candidate, a lot of the times you don't know if the candidate's going to win. And if they do win, are they actually going to follow through on those promises? Like Dr. Kim Schreier, mm -hmm. how much money did we pour into her campaign? We could have had single payer in Washington State That's with nuts. that money. Mm -hmm. So what the thing that I love about initiatives is that you read them, they pass they're going to do exactly what they say they're going to do. There's no wiggle room. There's no excuses later on. That's why this is a worthy investment. And even if you're not in Washington state, donating to whole Washington so that Washington state can show the country that this is possible. Let us pave the way so that the entire country can have Medicare for all. Yes. Help us help you do the same thing we're doing here in Washington. And if people want to donate, what is the website or place they can go to do that? It's wholewashington.org. And there's a donate button there. There's also wholewashington.org slash volunteer. If you want to sign up and pledge some signatures, we need to get 300,000 pledged signatures. Yay. And then, yeah, like they said, you can also go to the website, put in your information to see how much money you would save with the plan. Um, and also just if you want to learn more, if you want to ask questions of Georgia and Jen, you can reach out there as well. Yep. And you guys can follow them on social media at WA Single Payer, all one word. And I believe that's Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. So I love when people nice. have unified handles. Good job. Congratulations. That never nice. happens. So good job. Um, but I wanted to say <laughs> thanks to Corn for leading this awesome discussion today. And thanks to you two for coming in and joining us on the Better Left podcast, because we here fully support Medicare for All and Single Payer and believe Woo. it's better left to whole Washington to talk about that. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. That was awesome, you guys. There's a lot of like, the reason I picked these chairs because like I can see everybody yeah. and Jay. So when Jay's like, all right, welcome back to the Better Left Podcast. And we are now going to get started on our palate cleanser segment. So this is when we kind of do something weird at the end. It's sometimes it gets political, sometimes it doesn't because politics is everywhere and a lot all the time and i kind of mm. like just taking a break occasionally yeah. and just do something weird just right something weird. we made butter on the last episode that we was created good. the the dnc debates from magnets the mm -hmm. first time and mm -hmm. now we're gonna eat weird food i do have a quick question Yay. though of all the palate cleansers that we've had thus far who has won literally hmm. only troy because there have only been two <laughs> <laughs> We're moving into three, um, but there there's only... no true winner with this one. <laughs> we all lose here. Okay. Well, yeah, what's going on here? What so you got? what I'm looking at right now is there are one, two, three, four out of six snack foods I found at a very quirky local market mm -hmm. that I cannot read. So I have no clue. Problematic. Yeah. Uh, there's also a birthday cake hand pie so that gross. I can read. And then we have a bag uh. of a bag of uh, cheddar chirps. 
And they are <laughs> chips made of crickets. The birthday cake hand pie, by the way, <laughs> which pie. makes it really disturbing, is also lightly glazed. Yeah. Ooh. And you can write a two and from on it if you... Aww, well, it I'm says, giving you this for your birthday. Uh, thank you. It says, happy birthday to Z from Z. No, it's a two. <laughs> oh, it's That's a two. me. I wrote that. And it's I from, thought you bought it. Okay. It's from Ooh. JJ's Bakery. It, yeah, JJ. Good job, JJ. You did it. So we are going to get started. <laughs> um, everything is numbered in front of us. I'm really keeping my hopes up for creepy baby candy. Follow me on Instagram at Sarah Smith, uh, the number four WA, if you want to see a picture of creepy baby candy. Uh, no idea what flavor it is. Just a child's face on the wrapper. It's like <laughs> surprised, yeah. delighted, chubby baby. Slightly <laughs> concerned baby. Slightly, yeah, slightly worried. Like... This we're, is fun, I'm right? That's worried. what that baby's saying. This we're, is fun, right? That's we're how I feel. Candy. Yeah. This is fun, right? <laughs> right. All right. I don't know. So we are going to make, how many are do you, you want? Are you doing it or not doing it? I'm just playing. And again, Bill is bowing out because of his. Oh, yeah. Bill is like a dairy. Yeah. He's going to die. You learned last time. They all knew. They all, I mean, here we are. I'm sitting at a smorg, looking at a smorgasbord <laughs> full of, Di- you know, digestive poison. Oh, you're so jealous, I'm yeah. sure. Extreme I do have a jealousy. question, though. You could eat the bugs. I'm not going to eat no, any look. of them. There's Sorry. no dairy in this birthday hand uh, pie. Which contains is weird. Milk, contains I don't play those games. Yeah. I don't play those games with this dairy. Contains soy. No, we don't want you to either. <laughs> do you know that every single show we've had thus far, every single podcast has talked about Bill's yeah. digestive? Just in analysis. case anyone forgets. And don't don't yeah. worry. Next next because we next always week, do. <laughs> next week it will just be Twinkies. Yeah, exactly. And a week milk. after that it will be Hostess cupcakes. <laughs> <laughs> and a week after that it will, they'll just bring a dairy cow. We're just going. <laughs> yeah, to mil- yeah. We're just going to milk yeah. a cow. Yeah, we're yeah. going to. <laughs> Farm. I'm gonna roll a die. It's one through six. Which teat do you get? <laughs> I don't know. Don't worry. I yeah. I did not grow up on a farm. Uh, so we're gonna. I think we're gonna do three this time. We're gonna. It's gonna. We're gonna spin the wheel three times, and it is luck of the draw. And some of this is luck is a really strong word. All right, ready. Who? Uh, ready to get channeling? Yes, I, I, I'm, I'm. I'm dealing with you, but you're. I don't have audio. Don't worry about it. All right, ready. <laughs> All right, and show business. Go. Oh, good. Got it. Four. Four. Yes, the babies. babies. <laughs> Sorry, very excited about this. So this baby. may be human candy. Yeah, frightened. I'm I think this child this. is frightened. This Let's child see. is has seen. Looks some like things. a standard chocolate. Now this does look like it is. I see some cerulean mm. in there. Um, Def, I think this is Russian. It's crunchy. It's crunchy. Mm-hmm. Crunchy baby crunchy. made with the bones of. But then baby. it's not. <laughs> Bleak. Hmm. All right. Ooh, um, I like it. I like this. Mm-hmm. This is going better than I expected. It's like a wafer. It's like a fancy Kit Kat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like a very yeah. fancy foreign Kit Kat. Mm-hmm. Ooh, Thank you. I babe. like this creepy baby. I don't know why you're scared, you. but it's all good. <laughs> yeah, Jade's giving the nod from the producer bench. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I have creepy baby candy. <laughs> All Russians right. are known for their joyful hearts and their uh, <laughs> demeanor of, um, you know, just fun and frivolity. Mm. That baby is having a lot of fun. Yeah. yeah. All right. Let's get our last oh. one. So yeah. uh, pray for a two or six, I guess, y'all. Ready? Yeah. Spin that wheel. Prayers <gasps> up. <laughs> Go. <laughs> Mine. <laughs> Mine's faster. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, it is. Um, sadly, it's not two. Because I really wanted to try that. Um, two was the you, birthday. You could have made pie. that up, you know. It's not five. Is it six? It's not one. Ah, yes, 
Fudge. Oh. Can I tell you how <laughs> not chirps. excited I am about this? I'm so excited. <clears throat> not so excited. We are about to bust into a bag of chirps, and they are chips that are made with crickets. <gasps> yeah. Oh. I ate crickets at the little, there's a little, um, Mexican place in Capitol Hill that serves crickets. And you met one of my dear friends, for Timber. <gasps> yeah, she yeah. hung out with you at an event we put together, and um, she um, ate uh, crickets, um, two flavors, ranch. You don't want one? Ranch, and no. um, I think the other one was barbecue. <laughs> Ooh. She ate them, and she said they tasted like dust. Yeah, they kind of just yeah. taste like whatever it is that's on them. All right. It's our Capivari Creamery. Some of these. Oh, yeah. Do you have some cricket chips? Let's do it one at a time. All right. Okay. Um, and I'd also like to just note that there's a lot of dusting on this because no. it's probably it disgusting. Does, it smells a bit plasticky. I don't want to smell it. Don't smell it. <sighs> yeah, I'm not going don't to. Don't say it out loud. It's Let corn eat it. smells like crickets. No, no way. Okay. How do you know what crickets smell like? Because Don't judge me. when I was a kid, I used to go to a bait shop all the time and had crickets. <laughs> yeah, and like they do have a distinct smell. Smell that, Bill. Okay, Bill. This is... Smell it. <coughs> it smells uh, like crickets. Yeah, I could see it. So a little bit. You could also this say is... just a little bit of blah. I'll go first. All right. Who wants to rip the bandaid off? <laughs> uh, <laughs> Corn is very. It's not excitement. It's not joy. Bobble. You know, it's not bringing. I would joy. never eat it, but <laughs> you're not gonna have seconds because you know corn's like a little fussy in the food yeah. department. Oh, and so very, I, very yeah, partic yeah, particular. Yeah, not adventurous. All right, mm -hmm. no. all right, ready. Troy's turn. <laughs> right. <laughs> no, yeah. Look so yeah. far. All it's right. A, it's, two for a, two. it's like oh, shocking. There is there's a chip in my mouth, huh. and I have to chew it now. It's in yep. there. That's texture. <laughs> it's kind of like wet cardboardy though. Yeah, that right? was left yeah. out. That you know it's a is what it smelled like too. I, I legit so. am like not thinking about what I just. Yeah, it was a grasshopper. I feel like I'm gonna vomit. Like it's not a young grasshopper. <laughs> I feel like it's um. Oh. All right. All right. I'm doing it. I'm the adventurous eater. Bam. Oh, they are expired too. <laughs> Oh. Whatever. <laughs> it's the uh, yeah. It's yeah. it's like cardboard. Yep. Someone left some cheese dust on. Yep. Ooh, that aftertaste. You're not a beer drinker, and you're like, give me that stat. Yeah. So, yep. so, I'm like, I'm gonna need that. So right can now. we agree that Ooh. we might want to recommend that whatever company mm. is currently grinding up grasshoppers to put in chips, maybe not do that. Maybe we should change our dreams. <laughs> or just do something better. We've had a lot. I mean, we make food out of a lot of Garbo's, yeah. you know, mm -hmm. stuff. And I know that there are a lot of bugs around. So let's mm -hmm. just pick a fresher bug. I am going to eat the rest of this yeah. candy that corn. Uh, we need a real yeah. palate cleanser. Uh, that's yeah. a legit one. Mm -hmm. So, cool. But this is, our, uh, this is uh, the end of our podcast. So thank you guys so much for tuning in. Because Thanks, uh, we do truly believe it is better left to you. Thank you so much. Have a good night. Wow, that was good. Yeah. When the day seems short, nothing of significance to report. You haven't enjoyed that stuff you bought. You just need a rest. Get it off your chest. I haven't seen a girl because the crazy shift work is all berserk and the bed is empty.